Green Mountain Chronicles was originally produced for radio by the Vermont Historical Society in the 1980s. We're re-releasing them today as retro podcasts. Please note that any resources the podcast recommends may be out of date. We recommend you check out our website, vermonthistory.org, for the most up-to-date information. Green Mountain Chronicles number 47, Maple Sugaring. Put a little dab of butter on there and it puts a tension of fat on the, on the bubbles and it brings it down. When this was bought, Governor Mortimer Proctor bequeathed some of his own personal money um, in the form of a grant to the university. And, 1947, and the University of Vermont purchases a sugar bush in Underhill, where, as Sumner Williams explains, James Marvin and Fred Taylor set up a field station for maple research. They were studying the maple tree itself, why one tree is sweeter than the other, sap flow, how it moves. Those questions may have fascinated the first Indians to discover the spring sweetness of the maples. The Indians tapped the trees by making a gash in the bark from which the sap bled into birch bark containers. Early European settlers quickly developed a taste for the so-called Indian molasses and Indian sugar and introduced refinements in the process of sugaring, tapping the trees using wooden spouts and buckets rather than gashing them, and boiling sap in copper and iron kettles instead of fragile clay pots. Even into the 20th century, much of the sap was boiled down to maple sugar, a popular sweetener that was easy to store and carry and a valuable commodity for trade. I can remember hearing my father and my aunt uh, talk about selling it in the form of sugar in tubs. Everett Willard, who grew up in Derby, remembers when his family still used a few wooden buckets. You could produce better syrup with a wooden bucket than you could with a metal bucket if you handled the wooden buckets correctly and they were kept clean and they were sterilized. They had an insulating value to them that a metal bucket didn't have because along the end of the sugaring, when you was gathering sap and you'd come to a bucket with, with wooden, that sap was nice and clear and that that was in the galvanized buckets would be turned color because it was actually souring. Robert Harrigan Sr., a seventh-generation maple producer from Fairfield, recalls his father used tin buckets to gather the sap. And he never would wash them in water. He'd wash them in sap. And then he'd store them up over the attic of the house because it was dry so they wouldn't rot. We didn't have covers then either. Now your every bucket has a lid on it. keeps out the bark and the rain. And, and uh, I can remember gathering with Dad and a bucket that had had a severe rain the water would run down the bark and it would color the sap. So we just automatically dump those. But if you found one that was kind of mediocre, I'd, I'd ask Dad, uh, what do we do with this one? And he'd tell me, taste it. <laughs> Even as children, the Harrigan brothers were enthusiastic about sugaring. We had a little sled and uh, Francis built a, a wooden tub. We dragged that around and your dad used to have the calves in there. He wouldn't bother with those trees. He just took what was handy. And so we'd tap those and had a set up over there across the road. We'd fire away at night and boil and boil. Yeah, I remember that. Today, most of their approximately 10,000 taps are connected to the sugar house by pipeline. But the Horrigans still use a pair of horses to gather the sap from scattered trees. At the other end of the spectrum are producers that don't sell a drop. We started just by tapping a few trees to have sap in the refrigerator just to drink. 
Susan Price of Middlesex began making syrup in 1975. We use a lot of maple syrup. My mom cooked with it. And I also thought it would be a good thing to have on hand for uh, gifts and realized soon after that we could use it for bartering. We bartered lots of things with maple syrup. We got wood one year. We traded for flies, for fly fishing one year. We still get haircuts. We've been getting haircuts for, what, 13 years with uh, our maple syrup. Since their serious beginnings, boiling the sap from 15 taps on a small barrel wood stove outside, the prices have progressed through a succession of boiling pans and boilers. Now they put up about 50 taps and boil sap in a stainless steel pan over an oil drum arch in an open-sided wood storage shed. Although her small sugar bush is on a steep incline, Price doesn't use pipeline. She and her children and their friends empty buckets into five-gallon pails and slip and slide their way down the hill to the makeshift sugar house. Often people have said, why don't you just buy some for all the time you put into this? But that the reason we do it is not to save money. It's the process we love. Thanks for listening. This podcast was remastered by me, Amanda Gustin, and released by the Vermont Historical Society. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to get future episodes and rate and review it. Please also check out our website, vermonthistory.org, where you can find background information on these episodes, as well as other ways you can learn about Vermont history from home. The Vermont Historical Society relies on support from generous donors to preserve and share Vermont's stories. During these uncertain times, your support is needed now more than ever. Please consider donating today at vermonthistory.org slash donate.